Welcome to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Albrecht. This podcast is sponsored by Library 2.0 and the produced by the founder of Library 2.0, Steve Hargadon. You can always get information about Library 2.0 at library20.com. And also you can see our new website, thesafelibrary.com is also a great place for free videos and handouts and information about my programs on service safety and security for libraries around the country. So my topic for this half hour is something I've been thinking about for a long time as I compare coaching strategies and management tools and techniques for getting employees who are not motivated and don't feel very motivated to give us their best efforts and to improve their performance in the workplace. This tool for your toolkit, if you're a supervisor, manager, or even a pick, Uh, and a leader in your library organization is not without controversy, and it is called a time study. And the reason it's controversial is it can feel, obviously and clearly, to the employee like a micromanagement tool. And between you and I, it is kind of a micromanagement tool because it does focus what the employee is doing in 30-minute intervals, and we'll talk about this, every day at work and you create a system where the employee has to account for his or her time over a 30-minute interval each day. This sounds sort of harsh and draconian but it goes back to a larger issue which is we want employees to do their work that they're being paid for. We want them to focus their efforts on serving the patrons and serving each other and helping the departments and the team and the facility do its work effectively. And sometimes we have employees who mail it in. We have sometimes employees who sit and look at social media all day in the back office or look at social media all day when they're supposed to be helping patrons on the library floor. We have employees running side businesses sometimes using our our web servers and our, our internet systems and our networks. We have employees who have felt topped out. They cannot promote to a next highest level. They are topped out in their uh, step levels. They feel disconnected from the organization. They may be coming off of, of COVID and other things where they don't feel connected to the organization anymore. And there's a sense that they're retired on duty and that they're mailing it in. And they're missing on duty. You don't seem to be able to find them. Um, they're pretty liberal with their breaks and lunches and vacation and sick time. And we don't get full productivity, full performance out of them. And sometimes the coaching conversation with them leads to short or temporary changes in their energy level, their performance, and their service orientation. And sometimes that doesn't stick. It does not last long enough to be a, a sense of change about how they do their business for the organization. So when you look at a time study, the main function is to say, employee, using your best judgment and honesty and not padding it or, or lying on the, on the form, tell us how you work each day, what you are doing in 30-minute intervals, and I'll talk about the structure for that in a second, so that as your supervisor, I can look and say, these are some things that are exactly within your job description and job performance and you should be doing, and we're going to keep on doing those and, and at a higher level. Or there are some things that are not value-added activity that waste time and money and effort and maybe are not a good thing for you as the employee either that you don't want to do anymore or that you feel frustrated with and we can reassign or we can give to somebody else or we can change uh, the actual outcomes or goals for that particular task. So the function of a time study is, is to give management, managers and supervisors and library leaders, a sense of what the employee does all day. 
And and the model that I use and that was you know taught to me as I went through my work as an expert witness with attorneys is is the attorney model, the attorney billing model. And the way that that works is, and if you know attorneys that work in especially large, high-pressure law firms, they have to account for their time in 15-minute intervals. So they should be billing on cases all the time. From the moment they get there to the moment they go home, they're filling out timesheets on various cases. They're working on multiple different cases throughout the day. They're working with other attorneys who are also billing on the case. And those things, if you look at the structure of a large law firm or a very uh, intense law firm, you know, some of these, these mid-level firms that are very um, focused on, on billing and, and revenue, um, that these things are super important in how attorneys make partner and how attorneys move from the associate level to the, to the leadership level. And being able to bill accurately, legally, fairly, ethically, uh, in the law firm business is a key component of success in being an attorney. And this is why, and I talked to some of my attorney pals, they went off on their own. Uh, they set up boutique law firms where they specialize in a certain business topic, you know, civil litigation or whatever it happens to be, because the, the billing process, this 15-minute interval thing, is just so hard and stressful. And there's a law practice uh, partner that overlook oversees and overlooks the you know reviews the billing sheets uh, every week every bi biweekly or you know monthly as they send those things out to clients and says why aren't you up to speed on these things and why aren't you billing at our rates uh, for the work that you're doing so that you can justify and we can justify sending these clients a, a retainer bill every month talking to some friends of mine who worked in those types of law firms, the stress and pressure to do that is, is really intense. And this causes them after several years to say, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to set up my own law practice where I focus on my strengths and my specialties and I get paid by clients based on not necessarily billable hours, but on retainer agreements and on uh, flat fee issues and on on recovery of of um, awards and settlements, things like that, injury cases that you know we've typically seen on the billboards down the highway. So when you look at this this 15 minute interval, I'm saying let's turn it up a notch to 30 minute intervals, and create a form for the employee in your library to use of a nature that we're looking at their work performance and job duties and things that they're actually applying to do, their time to do, on a 30-minute basis in an 8-hour day or a 10-hour day, however long they work, um, for a month or so. I think one month is a reasonable amount of time to do this. It, it is certainly tedious for the employee and it's certainly not without uh, protest by them as they, they do it. But it can also do a couple things from our perspective. One is it lights a fire under them to justify their salary and their, their performance and their existence in our organization. It, it points out to them that we care what they do all day and that we have responsibilities as leaders and supervisors to be the good shepherds of our labor funds, what we do to pay our salaries for the taxpayers, where they come from, whether it's you know a library district or the city or county funds, that we have an ethical duty to work hard on behalf of the taxpayer. People want to see their dollars being used wisely. And it also helps supervisors look at what this person may do, especially from a, a purely 
strategic performance perspective, which is, is this person doing the right thing based on our job duties and job description? Does this person need adjusted job duties and job descriptions? Is this person working out of class, which is not useful or legal sometimes in the HR world? And when I look at this sheet as a supervisor, as a manager, as a leader, am I able to see some obvious discrepancies where these things need to change, where there's some um, clear um, changes in role and responsibility for this employee to maybe give them more motivation and make them feel better what they do, take away some busy work, uh, reassign that to a part-time employee or a student intern or another employee who has the skills and capabilities for certain things that are financial or technical or whatever it happens to be that maybe drives this particular employee crazy and that's why they don't do it. And so the, the time study, a sheet that the employee turns in each week after accounting for his or her time in 30-minute intervals from the time they, they clock in to the time they leave, is not a, a perfect tool. It's a useful tool. It helps us do a lot of things and maybe say, well, two weeks is enough. Uh, one month is probably your end, um, end piece in terms of how much you would have them do it. it after that, it, it seems sort of punishing and maybe perhaps not necessary and, and super micromanaging, right? But the idea that for at least two weeks or, or three weeks or up to a month, that they account for their time. And this is not just writing sat at my desk and did computer stuff. That's not sufficient. And can't say uh, helped patrons from, from 10 a.m. to 2, 2 p.m. That's not sufficient. What I want to see, and the form needs to be designed in such a way where there's space for them to write out a bit of a narrative to say, here's what you, I have done specifically. Worked on this particular library project. Worked on this particular piece of library operations, shelving, classification, circulation, uh, research, that type of a thing that specifically has a beginning and a middle and an end to it as a project or to something that is identifiable to you as the library leader, the supervisor, to say, yes, I understand what that project is for and this is a good use of this employee's time. This concept of the time study is kind of the antidote, at least the, the end case, worst case scenario, best best approach when coaching has not worked, when coaching has failed, when there is no sense of consequences for the employee, they don't feel any consequences for doing what they've always done. It, it, it kind of catches them if they are doing things which are uh, ethically not appropriate, like running a side business using the library's copy machine or, or a Wi-Fi. Or we also can see this as a distinct message to employees who may be working from home. Now, once the pandemic has ended and people have come back to public service jobs, including in the library, then perhaps you have a small or a skeleton crew or a very, very small number of people working from home. But imagine during the time span of the pandemic when people were looking at what employees did all day and not being exactly sure as a manager or supervisor and having empathy for the situation and people have kids and and youngsters at home and school and daycare issues and, and families they have to take care of and their parents and grandparents that are, that are part of their care system as well. I get it. The idea that a time study for an employee in the non-pandemic years, right, and not going forward from the pandemic, moving forward from those years of the pandemic, into accounting for their time at home, I think is a responsibility of the manager and supervisor to say this is not unreasonable. It's, it's something that is 
a practical document for you to complete and turn in to me so I can review it and see that we're getting the best use of our our time, uh, your compensated salary time or your compensated hourly time. And if I need to, I will make suggestions, uh, alterations, changes. I'll be flexible. I'll understand certain things that you have put on this time study as, as being germane to the projects that we're working on, especially future uh, you know, large-scale strategic type projects. And I will look and see what is busy work and needs to be taken off your plate or given to somebody else or removed as something that is not a useful activity for us in the library. And so when you think about the from work from home possibility, it is a reasonable tool for scrutiny. So a couple caveats. One, this is not a tool to be used as harsh discipline or punishment. It's not a punishment tool. It should not be used to punish an employee. It should be used to educate you as to what's going on and to remind the employee that he or she has a responsibility to work within the guidelines of their job duties and job descriptions and give us a full day's work for a full day's pay. Second, it's not to be used in situations where it violates some kind of agreement that you may have with union employees. There could be an MOU or a, a specific uh, language in the union contract that, that makes time studies not um, uh, possible. I've not seen this language specifically, but I've seen situations where the union says this is a meet and confer issue and therefore it's, you know, we're going to grieve this or, or protest its use. If you have a union environment, you need to get with your HR representatives or the shop stewards or the union representative and say, is this, and, and in my experience, they will oftentimes say it is a meet and confer item and, and subject to negotiation. Um, is this uh, something that violates the current MOU, in which case you can't use it. But if that's not a concern, then this can be used as the in initial conversation at the end of a coaching process. And oftentimes on this, on this podcast and other places, I have talked in Library 2.0 about coaching as one of the hallmarks of effective supervisors, managers, and leaders. Good bosses coach. Good bosses catch their employees in the hallway and give them feedback. Good, employee, good supervisors catch their employees uh, on the library floor and, and pull them aside and give them feedback. Not criticism, but feedback. Uh, good supervisors, managers, and leaders will look at what somebody does and make a small course correction especially several days in a row on the same issue or as, as much as it takes for this person to finally get it and make the changes that we're looking for through coaching. It's a coaching conversation. It's not discipline. It's not punishment. It's just say, you know, as a supervisor, could I, could I see you do more of this or less of that? As, a, as an employee, I want you to take what I'm talking about and do more of something that's good for us and less of something that is not. Those are coaching conversations. So I have talked in my coaching webinar and I've talked in, in articles I've written about coaching about the PAM, the Personal Accountability Meeting, P-A-M, Personal Accountability Meeting. This is the last coaching conversation that you have with an employee before you switch over to discipline. Now, in a union environment, this next meeting after the, the PAM and where discipline is going to be um, used, either a written warning or oral warning or a suspension or demotion, whatever it happens to be, is called a Weingarten meeting. And the reason it's called a Weingarten meeting, it says the employee is is – um, in that meeting is eligible for representation by their, their particular union. 
Coaching meetings are not wine garden meetings. Coaching meetings do not in, uh, entitle the employee to a rep. It is a, it is a discussion about performance or behavior that is not related to discipline. But once you say the D word to the employee, this will be subject to discipline if you don't make the changes we're talking about, then the next meeting subsequent, which will, discipline will happen as a wine garden meeting, and they're entitled to a rep. Well, I use the PAM, the personal accountability meeting, as the last final uh, cards on the table, frustrated, uh, without seeing changes, discussion with the employee to say, look, we have been talking about attendance or attitude or conflict or service orientation or, or technical skills or teamwork or a violation of policy and procedure about a particular issue in coaching, and it may be more than one, uh, for a while now. And I have seen no change or no improvement. And the improvement I have seen, if it has occurred, is temporary and not what I want in an in a ongoing situation where you make the change and you continue at that level of performance or behavior. It's not, I'm not seeing it. The personal accountability meeting, if you look at the breakdown of the phrase, says that we are asking the employee to be accountable. And that's where the time study comes in later on, perhaps as the next step after the PAM, the personal accountability meeting, to say... I am frustrated with our conversations. There seems to be a repetitive mode about this. I either see no change in performance or behavior or it's episodic and it doesn't last. As a result, the next thing is going to be discipline. Or you could say, if it's the, the PAM is the final coaching meeting before using the time study. And I would say, okay, I'm frustrated. I would like a little bit more accountability from you employee. I would like a bit more sense of what you do all day. And as a result, and you may think this is punishment, it's not. It's it's educating me and perhaps it's educating you later on when we talk about it, what you do all day. Here's a form I want you to fill out from when you get here until when you leave in 30-minute inter- increments, 30-minute intervals, telling me specifically, not just sat at desk and did computer work, but specifically what you worked on what websites you went to, what what internal sites you used, what part of our intranet or the internet you used to do various things. If you were out on the library floor helping patrons with research and activities, give me some sense of what those things were over the span of time. Not a you know, five-hour dissertation, but something just says more than you know pointed at books and told, told patron where they were. The reason for this is to say, Am I getting the best use from from your skills, and do I need to make some fine-tuning in how you do your job? And also, to put you on notice, employee, that I expect more from you than I am getting. And the time study is that gateway tool for you to say, I need to make some changes in what you do. I'd like to take some things off your plate that you find distasteful, that you don't like to do, that are frustrating to you, demotivating to you. Uh, but I also have an expectation that you're doing what we are paying you to do, and either I'm seeing it here in this time study or I'm not. And if I'm not, then we need to talk more specifically about the coaching process, about specific improvements this person should be making. In looking at social media, where I'm typically on Twitter when I'm not actually trying to do real work but messing around with my phone, I have seen a discussion about and I'm not, I've heard various descriptions of this, but it's basically uh, coffee break badging, they're calling it, where people that work from home, they're now asked to come back to work, uh, come to their organization, uh, clock in with their, their key card, their ID badge, at the time they're supposed to be there, clock out 
uh, after they've had a cup of coffee and wandered around for an hour or so and talked to their boss and, and talked to some other people and maybe went to a meeting and then went home and then came back at quitting time and clocked back out again. And, and so this, I, there's a number of sort of odd phrases for it. It's basically cheating, right? It's, it's theft of time when you look at it. But people are manipulating the system to say, I'm going to go home and they can't make me come back here. And the answer is, oh, yes, we can. It's part of your job description. Come back to work physically and be here. And obviously in the library, we have a different system and approach for having public contact, taxpayer, patron-driven uh, necessity for us to be in the building, uh, different than, than during the pandemic when we were closed, certainly. But you can imagine that, that somebody comes in, clocks in, drinks some coffee, wanders around, and then, and then goes back home and then comes back later and clocks out again at quitting time or has somebody else clock out for them if they're able to. You know, here's my ID number and my password. You know, go to the attendance system and clock out for me at, at 5 o'clock or whenever. I mean, that's, that's manipulating uh, the system. It's theft of time. It's unethical. There's lots of things going on there. And so I'm not saying that lots of libraries have that type of employee. But if we have those types of employees that are that are mailing it in, that are retired on duty, that are missing when you go to look for them, that, that are supposed to be working from home but now coming back to the facility and have managed to figure out a way to, to cheat the system, not appropriate. We need a way to figure out what's going on. And that's where the time study can be your leverage tool to accountability. One thing that I do in my HR and investigations and threat assessment work sometimes, especially when I'm dealing, as I have done a long part of my career, with, uh, with em employees that make threats or that have uh, workplace violence concerns or have said things that make people feel uncomfortable in terms of harassing, racially or sexually harassing behavior or, or things that, that uh, a reasonable employer would be concerned about this person's conduct, is we do an audit of their IT use. Now, when you look at signing on to any reasonable IT system, there's usually a screen there that says, look, no expectation of privacy. Uh, this material here, websites you go to, websites you download, documents and information that you download and collect is subject to audit. And especially in when I look at, and this is very common in the private sector, but especially when I look at these uh, types of screenshot warnings in the, in the public sector, people working for city and county government, including libraries. It says, look, there's no expectation of privacy here. This, this, these sites you use, our internet, our cables, our computers, our keyboards, our mouses, means that these are subject to audit. They're subject to inspection. And so you may couch the use of the time study um, after the results of an audit, where you go to IT and you say, look, uh, this person sits at a desk all day. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, useful tool for someone that sits at a desk where 25 employees use it at the CERC desk or, or research or, or um, information desk where there's, there's no one person using the computer. But if you have somebody using uh, one of your PCs all day and you say, I like an audit of their websites, I like an audit of the time they spend on these websites, it, it could be dramatically surprising to you about what they're looking at and how long they're staying there. You know, is it Facebook? Is it Twitter? Is it Instagram? Is it is it places they're not supposed to be on your dime? Meaning that the browser site history and the website history of the things that they're using in our computer systems um, mean that you can look and say, I definitely have proof here. And we don't use it to fire people unless it's it's things that are racist or 
child pornography or something you know super serious like that in terms of a website, we, we use it to coach them up and say, this is not going to happen anymore. This, this sense of being online, you know, eight of, six of your eight hours here is not going to happen anymore. So the time study can be used as a, as a leverage tool and as kind of a, a, a compromise tool from you to say to the employee, look, it appears if we look at the audit data from, from our IT department here, that you logged on to Facebook and, and you fiddled around with Facebook for two, three hours and then you went to your break and came back and messed around with Instagram for another couple hours. And then you did some work for us at the end of the day and clocked down and went home. This is not gonna continue. This, this approach is gonna stop and I'm going to say, we're gonna use the time study, this document that you're going to complete for me every day and you're gonna turn it in once a week and I'm gonna sit down with you and review it at the end of each week account for your time in 30-minute intervals so that I know that you're doing what you're supposed to do on behalf of this facility. If you're the employee on the receiving end of this conversation about what websites you went to and things that you did, uh, it could be embarrassing, it could be humiliating, it could be emotional. The employee could rationalize the things that they're doing as somehow it's on behalf of a patron or, or it's some, some project they're working on and you have to verify whether those things are true. But if they're in a behind-the-scenes back office position and they're on the computer all day doing stuff not related to library work, you have a right as a manager and supervisor, as a leader, to say, we're going to redirect your wasted time. We're going to redirect your energies and activities back to library work. And, and this, the function of the, the time study is not to antagonize the employee, although it probably might. Uh, it, it's not useful tool for those employees that are hardworking because it's not necessary. You already know what they're doing. You already see their activities. You already see their results. They, they meet the deadlines for their work. They put finished products, tasks, projects on your desk or in your inbox, your electronic inbox on a regular basis, and you know what they're doing. You have seen them engage with the patrons. You have seen them engage with, with coworkers in projects and in staff meetings. You don't get the sense that they're mailing it in. You don't get the sense that they're, they're retired on duty. You don't get the sense that they're maybe manipulating data or using our, our computer systems for their own, their own private business. You don't get that sense because they're not doing those things. So they're not the candidate for the time study. The candidate for the time study is that employee who is below standard evals. Uh, there's a sense that they have been below standard evals for several years. And that's why I like evaluations because it tells us uh, patterns and practices of employees to figure out what we need to address before it turns into yet another year of a below standard evaluation. The use of the time study can be, at least from a manager's perspective, an antidote to the coaching process, which has not worked. It's the antidote to the discussions, countless discussions on, you know, you gotta, you gotta focus and get your things done on time with the employee, which has not worked. Now, if they tried to manipulate the, the time study by making up stuff that they're doing, then, you know, we have a problem with their honesty. That's a concern. The other thing is, while they are working on the time study, while they are capturing what they're doing in those 30-minute intervals, you can be wandering by as a manager, as a supervisor, as the pick, as a leader to say, hmm, what do I see as I pass? What do I see as they, uh, they're engaging? What do I see on their screen? Uh, what conversations am I overhearing as they work with patrons or colleagues? And that verifies what you may see in the time study. And so it, it's clear that the time study is kind of a last-ditch tool for the coaching process, which has not worked. But 
I also think that it has value because it puts the employee on notice. We have an accountability expectation and a responsibility expectation from you. And it helps the supervisor figure out whether part of the employee's day is not being well utilized because of us. We, we've not done a good job in terms of breaking out their most effective tasks, projects, and things to be working on. Then we need to change that. And it also says, from a progressive discipline standpoint or a performance evaluation standpoint, that they are not meeting the guidelines and job duties and job descriptions we've hired them for, and this is proof. And so if you do move to discipline, up to including termination, you can say, we didn't do this on a whim. We didn't just pull this person in and say, you're fired. We gave this person ample opportunity through the coaching process and using these time studies to try to get him or her to accurately document the work that they're doing. And we don't see evidence that that's taking place. So it's, it's not a tool for the faint-hearted. As a supervisor manager, you have to have the, the backbone to be able to say, I, I, I'm sure this is going to upset you, employee. Uh, I think it's necessary based on the work that I am not seeing, um, the quality of work that I'm not seeing, or the sense that you are not focused on library business, you're doing other things. Uh, I, I've seen some things myself. I've had conversations with peer supervisors about this issue. I've, I've vetted this process with my boss or library uh, director or human resources. And this is something I want to try for a span of time. And maybe you try it for a week and see what happens. And you try it for two weeks and you see what happens. And again, I think a month is, is probably the most reasonable amount of time to do this. And you may need to do it several times a year. Uh, it Maybe it works in February as a motivator for the employee and you'd use it again in, in October. Uh, but it, the function of this approach is not to punish the employee or to micromanage their, their every, every moment, is to say, account for what you're doing connect what you're doing to service to the patrons, service to other team members, service to coworkers, other departments, service to me as your boss, projects, products, uh, deadlines, goals, tasks to be accomplished, and justify that you are working within job description and job duties that we're paying you to do to be here. And again, some value to the work from home employee, certainly value to the employee that you don't see on an all-the-time basis, they're not working side by side with you in, in the, you know, in some capacity in the library. That you say this is a justification for my movements as a supervisor towards coaching more, or progressive discipline up to including termination, or job changes, uh, moving the person to a new role, based on what these time studies are telling us, and it certainly gives the employee a sense of motivation. It certainly gives the employee a sense of we expect more from you and if you want proof of what we're looking for, look at your shining stars around you. Look at the coworkers and colleagues that you work with who really light this place up, who get things done, who manage manage uh, patron concerns and, and requests and help for information as well as they manage their relationships with colleagues uh, and other departments and other team members all the time. And so when I look at the time study, caveat emptor, buyer beware, right? Use it uh, with um, um, the right kind of process in place. Probably works best after the final coaching meeting, that personal accountability meeting. It could be a bridge, this tool between uh, a coaching discussion and a discipline conversation. It could be the bridge uh, for several weeks or a month where you look at this and say, is it me? Is it the employee? Is it both of us? What do we need to do differently? And what does this 
data tell me based on what this person is writing, creating for the time study, and what I am seeing as I, as I walk by every day. So uh, my thanks to the producer of the Library Service Safety and Security podcast, Steve Hargadon. For more information about Library 2.0, you can certainly go to library20.com. You can certainly go to thesafelibrary.com for more information about my programs for Library 2.0 as well. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Library Service Safety and Security podcast.